0: Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au This has been a very special day for a great Aussie Christian institution celebrating a great work of service over 200 years. Yes, it all began in 1812 when a group of men who called themselves Wesleyans, motivated by bringing faith and hope to a newly white settled nation met at the Rocks in Sydney. It was Australia's first Methodist Gathering. And two centuries on, on this day, the Wesley Mission has staged an historical reenactment, a march through the city, and a large Celebrate 200 event. It's an important day to mark with the superintendent of Wesley Mission, Keith Garner. Keith, I'm so glad to welcome you to Open House. Lee, it's always a pleasure to Great talk to here. see you. Thank you. There's a great deal that's come together to mark this day, hasn't
1: there? Oh, look, it has. And we've really believed that, that 200 in Aussie terms is really quite something, you know. Yes, indeed. When I came from the UK, I think 200 wasn't very much but (laughs) I actually realised it it is is a very significant time Um, and 200 years ago well in, in a number of places in Windsor and Richmond and in Castlereagh but for us at Wesley Mission in the rocks area of Sydney a small group of people met together and today has been a bit about history but it's straddling the past and the the present and looking into the future uh, and wesley mission's stories an amazing story sure of is. which i 'm only just a little part of it, and i 'm able to, to share in it now when I look back at some of the amazing things that have happened really, and the fact that here we are all these years later and still at, at the heart of the city and in so many places across uh, the state of New South Wales and even beyond.
0: What a privileged position to be in so over these two centuries, what do you say of the elements that have undergirded this movement over so many years? and such a diverse range of activities as well.
1: Look, I think it's been a willingness sometimes to sit on the edge and take risks. That's certainly been a yep. part of our story. We haven't just sat back and waited for things to happen. We've made them happen. I think you'd have to say we've been willing to speak out when it's been necessary for a Christian prophetic voice to be spoken, and I can think of you know many things that we have spoken out about. Um, I think it's also that realisation that first and last we, we are combining word and deed. We're about Jesus Christ, so we're about the Gospel, of saving grace No question about that But we're also about uh, Caring for people With a real compassionate spirit And I can say that In this Olympic year If you like That the baton's been passed on From one generation to the next And no generation Has ever outshone another yeah. it, It's been
0: just one story So let me take you back To these Wesleyans yeah. Who first gathered back in 1812 For those not that familiar With the Wesley name Why did they take on that name And what was The Wesley mission all about.
1: Well, look, they begin with John Wesley, the story of John and Charles Wesley uh, in the 18th century. Uh, this uh, Anglican clergyman who who really had his life turned around. He went out to America uh, believing that, that he was going out to be a missionary and came back and more or less said, you know, I went out to convert others, but who's going to convert me? Mm-hmm. And John Wesley had this amazing transformation of his life in May 1738. And the story grew from there. And from very small roots in a Moravian... Com- uh, a Moravian meeting in London, the work grew and so eventually the work spread to Australia and Lee, I have to tell you some of the people who started the work must have been good because they were sent out by some of the best judges in England, these people were <laughs> <laughs> Very Aussie story
0: <laughs> And so
1: the beginnings were in, in people who came out here uh, as freemen to, to, to work in education, but Edward Eager was a very famous uh, Australian name and he was uh, uh, sent out here for fraudulent behaviour, but why Ali was in prison before he came out. He was converted to Christ. And so they had a passion to really bring something different. And uh, Governor Lachlan Macquarie was very reluctant at first about these Wesleyans and Methodists because he said, I've got enough problems with the Catholics and Anglicans, you know, (laughs) fighting the (laughs) the Protestants and Catholics, as he called them. But in a way... The Wesleyans didn't really want to take either of those names on. They, they saw themselves as Christians and not wanting to get involved in the sectarian stuff. Yeah. So they made a name and uh, the Reverend Samuel Lee came out here and from that the work grew. And we, we at Wesley Mission trace our very proud history from those, those beginnings.
0: <laughs> So it wasn't an institutional name so much, or no, a pursuit. No, the,
1: the title Methodist, which is where the Wesleyans come from, was actually a pejorative name at first. In Oxford, when John was there, people said, they're so methodical, they're Methodists, and it was meant to be something that was pejorative. I suppose not unlike maybe they were called Christians first at Antioch. It may not just be something that they embraced, but they said to themselves, let's take it. If that's what they want to call us, we'll <laughs> be it. Yeah. And so the Wesleyans proudly held that. They, they stood for that. Values that were important and I think that in a colony that was developing the discipline of faith that they brought their small group work their willingness to to have a disciplined faith really did fit as being the need of the hour.
0: Yes can you paint us a picture of what early life was like in the colony and where the church or where the christian community fitted in there
1: well they met in a cottage firstly near the rocks and then there was the first of our churches that became Wesley mission was the princess street chapel which is in the approaches to the sydney harbour bridge And, and i think this group of people were first and last small in number But it grew gradually, and and the work always grew gradually. Uh, And then, of course, there were fits and starts in the history, and I I could tell you that our story has not just been one of massive growth. In fact, anybody reading the Wesley Mission story would say, how have they survived? Because we we went through a time when there was uh, great growth and then decline. Because in the the middle of the 19th century, um, life in the middle of Sydney changed, and people moved out to the suburbs and took with them their wealth and their resources so the Methodists in what was known as Old York Street Chapel continued to stay there and they believed it was important and so they actually had a man called W.G. Taylor a very very honoured name in, in Australian history one of the great Australian evangelists and he was put in charge and the work grew again you know and our history's has been a bit like that. We've we've had this celebration in in the Great State Theatre. Why there? Well, because in the sixties, Wesley's Lyceum Theatre burnt down. Yes, yeah. Uh, and and Alan went straight away uh, to see uh, what he could do about it. And by lunchtime, the State Theatre had said, "You can come here for all your worship and your Good Friday events." And so the State Theatre became a home. So when we had to find somewhere, we needed somewhere that held over two thousand people for mm. the crowd that would be there. And uh, so. So he, he really did uh, decide this is an appropriate place and, and we thought for a special celebration couldn't be anywhere way better.
0: When you speak of Alan, he's the man I wanted to get to among many in the, uh, the story of Wesley Mission, the Reverend Alan Walker, one of the giants of this story, a real dynamo and a, and a lion through those critical years of quite massive social upheaval through 50s, 60s, 70s.
1: Yes, look, Alan Walker was somebody I knew because it's part of the reason why I came to Australia, because I shared in a mission in Plymouth uh, in the southwest of England where I was a minister, and he came to, to do a mission when he was the World Methodist Evangelist. And Alan and Wynne were were, were people I knew a little about, and, and of course, uh, um, we, we've we lost them now in recent years, but yes. they were giants. Uh, I remember talking to a very prominent Australian who said to me, in their mind, he was possibly one of the greatest Australian Christians born here, mm-hmm. that re- Really have made a difference, and I think that's true. But Alan was a very shy person; he wasn't um, a, an extrovert in, in, in as an individual. And, and I remember those early days, being a bit frightened of this guy because he would be in the vestry about, and he wouldn't say very much. You know, and I thought something odd about this man, you know. But oh. when he got into the pulpit yeah. and he opened his Bible and he talked about Christ and he talked about the issues of the day, he was unafraid to declare what he believed. To and be certainly
0: good. in the public space as well, because yeah. he was a very significant public figure. Look.
1: As the emissions always believe we should, should actually do that it's vital yes. that we speak now think of the all-white uh, policy in Australia the Vietnam War Alan got many many people and while we're in a radio station without telling anybody this let me tell <laughs> Just you, between there, you is a ra- there is a radio station I won't mention them by name <laughs> and Alan used to have pleasant Sunday afternoons and, and on the pleasant Sunday afternoons he would broadcast and it would go out live on the radio yeah. and uh, as you know often when these things go on there's a red light and a green light and the people would be there and they'd always be there but alan wasn't afraid of controversy no and it was at the time of the vietnam war and there, i think it was a new south wales election coming up and uh, alan c- came towards the end of the show and alan said um, well as far as i'm concerned the election's coming up you should all go and talk to your member of parliament and if they agree with the vietnam war if they think it's right don't vote for them <laughs> you know and immediately <laughs> we, the red light let- the red light came on <laughs>
0: <laughs> which in that day and age was a very significant yes. stand to take for yes. a churchman.
1: Yes, but I think history's probably moved him right, really, as Christian totally. people yeah. reflect on Vietnam. It was a, not the best time in our history, really, and he talked about that in Christ. In terms of the all-white policy, questions of abortion, questions of family life, he stood up for all those things uh, at a time when it was
0: important to. And a very strong voice for Christian faith in our community as an evangelist. Sure, and, and never afraid to declare the name of Christ. Now, I have to say,
1: whenever we do this, if you're an organization like us, you put yourself a little bit at risk because people say, well, these are meant to be for all people. As you know, we're involved in social welfare work. What we make a distinction is we stand for real values, but we are indiscriminate in our care of all people. So when Alan made these statements, we always lost a few donors every time, (laughs) but we always gained some as well because some people sat back and say, good on the church for (laughs) saying that that's right. So so you lived a little bit with that, but I I think that Alan probably in that sense, um, he paints the picture of what has been the very best an evangelist in our tradition is. Yes.
0: On Open House, we're with... Keith Garner, the superintendent of Wesley Mission, a very significant day for his movement. One of the things as I researched the Alan Walker story, I found that he launched a teenage cabaret, a dance for young kids, again at a time when many in the church would have frowned on modern music or even dancing
1: oh, look, there's a lovely story in the Methodist Church of a president in the British Church, and they were debating, should should there be dancing in church? And somebody asked from the floor of the, the conference, Mr. President, give a ruling. Can Methodists dance or not? His answer was, well, some can and some can't, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: really? I mean, that's some Alan just wasn't bothered about the fact yeah. that, that there were church people that found this. And I think Wesley Mission, because it's not really that churchy, if I say, say it in that yeah. way, has not been afraid of doing that. And there are literally... Uh, hundreds of people who can trace their faith back to those cabarets back to the single society, even that in its day, single society was was quite entrepreneurial really yeah. and uh, they had rock and roll music they they, they, they had folk
0: music their and, numbers were huge
1: oh yeah, look, there were there were yeah. i mean in the fellowship hall there 'd be five hundred a night just gathering to to do that, and they were never afraid to name Christ in the context of it that 's yeah. the clue to it all really and and I think we 've done that, and vision valley is also another part of that amazing Wesley Mission story um, for youth camps. And and one of Alan's family was involved in running a a special camp. It was at the time of Woodstock and all of these kind of things were going on. They said, we should be having a Christian festival. I remember it. Yeah, yeah. I remember. But you'd be young then, Lee.
0: You know, the old days. Yes, but it was a highly significant outreach into into the normal community.
1: And and yeah, and indeed, we'd also want to say that part of our story is also Dalmar, the wonderful work with children. Many that came here from from other countries and landed in Australia. You know, with just their name on a piece of paper. And and it's been an amazing story of different places. And still today, working in that space, caring for children and young. And
0: we must not and cannot forget Lifeline that we have today that's been literally... A lifesaver to countless numbers of people. That was Alan Walker's idea.
1: Yes I mean Alan Walker said that when Lifeline was born uh, it came because of the discovery of the telephone and the power of the telephone. He was being bothered many many times at home by people who really were at the edge of their lives and so he said we've got to do something about it. So gathered the leaders and elders of the church to- together and said we'll have to do something and that's how Lifeline was born. On top of that we now have Life Force, we have a whole pile of counselling services for people with debt and, and all of that really grows out of this vision that we've got to be in the community offering services in the space that isn't churchy but isn't afraid to
0: do it and be available i mean it's noteworthy that a modern christian leader could have his telephone known by these people telephone number oh right? sure. look look Alan was more modest than people really realise. It was
1: certainly true that that he's this public person. But, for example, when he was offered a knighthood by the Queen, it was a a real agonising moment for him. Should I accept this? Because, to some extent, uh, this is really not for me, it's for others. And that's how the spirit he accepted it. He said, I'll take this, but it's for the work of Wesley Mission and the work that we're all doing. And I think that tells you a little bit about the the nature of the person. And I would like to think the nature of the organisation at its best. yes
0: so my friend with that sort of heritage it must have been a daunting prospect and knowing Alan Walker and the history of this movement taking onto your own shoulders the superintendent's job of Wesley Mission this was in 2006
1: yeah what I did was I came out here to to a sabbatical and uh, (laughs) I contacted uh, Gordon Moyes who was the superintendent then because I'd worked with Alan and said I'd like to just you know, do something useful while I'm here. And I went back to Britain after spending a few weeks here in in the work and people back there said, what was Australia like? And I said, it's very nice. I said, could never live there, you know. I said, you know, but, <laughs> but I thought it was a great place to go. so said that. <laughs> and then I was actually on... Um, a Luther which is a Bahamian island doing an evangelistic mission and uh, we went into the local library um because it was the only place where there was any internet access and it was one it took about three years to log on you know in those days (laughs) and and we got on and uh, Carol was actually sat there on the screen and I said is there anything I need to look at and she said you better look at this one and there was an email from from Australia saying we're doing a worldwide search and We'd like you to consider accepting, you know, and it was that was an amazing uh, moment. Yeah. And coming here was a very, very uh, big step. Having worked in the church in Britain and been known in, in many places, I came here and, you know, within five minutes people say, Who's he? What, what are you <laughs> doing about? Uh, but in a way, that was very. And it was good, really, because it puts you in perspective. Because
0: again, it's off the back of another giant of the modern era, Gordon Moyes, sure. a very prominent man.
1: Absolutely, I, I think, and, and Gordon did an amazing uh, job of uh, of building the services and, and modernising so much of what we do. And I pay tribute to everyone who's gone before. Yes. And yet, I know that that baton's in my hand now. I can't drop it, and one day I've got to hand it to somebody else. But I do know and do believe this: that Wesley Mission is uniquely placed. To speak the name of Christ in Australia and in this great city of Sydney where we work.
0: So was it a daunting thing to come out here and take all that?
1: On oh, your sure. Look, it was, and and it wasn't easy because we we have um, three children. We now have three grandchildren and a fourth on the way. And I don't look old enough to be one.
0: Oh, I know I that have. feeling. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've got all that uh, uh, that going. So that was hard in a personal sense. Yes. It was hard in a church sense because you, you, you've done everything, you've been everything and you, I was quite comfortably set, really, I thought, for the rest of my life. But my life turned around. But then again, when I think about it, the whole Christian story, from that moment when somebody on a road um, w- was transformed and uh, I think the Christian story has been one of transformation from Saul to Paul. We're all on that journey and for me, it's part of that. And I... I have to say, I wouldn't want to miss this interview without saying this, that whatever I say about Wesley Mission, it's only because of our our people, our staff, our congregations, and our volunteers that we're ever anything that we are today.
0: What's it done to your own faith? What have you learnt over these last, say, six years since you've been in this very significant job that's grown you? A little bit to trust when when,
1: when things don't... uh, don't go so well in a public place uh, to give things time sometimes we like things to happen overnight and and really some things only happen after a period of time and we were in the middle of that uh, pull of governments we lost a a lot of employment contracts at one time we've seen a a renewal of some of our our contracts we've seen a marvellous growth in our out of home care but it, it couldn't happen if you wanted everything to happen overnight so I've had to learn that trust that comes with that I've had to trust other people too when I came out here I was used to having a diary. I haven't had a diary in my hands for, 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 for years. My EA said to me, she looked at this paper diary I had in my hand and said, what are you doing with
0: that? You know, <laughs> Just, you can't have drag that. Drag you into the modern era.
1: So my world has had to be controlled by others. And I, I think that takes a little bit of bit. Uh, trust. I think the willingness to sometimes step out and say things um, to people in politics and life has not been easy. But I think there are things to say. Lee, I'd have to say, I think, still in Sydney, we have issues. The greatest uh, evil in terms of a drug is in a bottle and it's bought anywhere in Australia. We have the issue of the fact we're fighting for Sunday. The only Sunday we've got last now is Easter Day. You know, there are masses of issues that we... And we shouldn't be afraid of saying them. And I've never found political leaders or people mind hearing it. It's how you say it that matters. We don't make a judgment of others, but we've got to be bold enough to do it.
0: You're still clearly convinced that the Christian voice needs to be put out there in an essentially secular society.
1: I am, and, and, and I try and do it the best I can... And I think all of us have a job to do that in our workplace and, and in the context in which we're in without rudeness, without offence, without uh, irritation and gripe, but certainly making a clear voice for Jesus
0: Christ. I well remember many good Friday mornings when you would pop in at Sky News and, uh, and help us out on our coverage, giving us hope and faith on such a day. It's a very important voice.
1: Yeah, well, and I think that we should be uh, saying that. It's wonderful to be uh, here at uh, at this station because this is a Christian station and that's vital for people to hear that. But it's also important for us to be in that secular space too And, and not to think that everybody's going to immediately fall over everything you say, but try. There's a lovely phrase that the Scottish had of their preachers. They say, speak a good word for Jesus. And I think that's what I try
0: and do. Out of the no doubt hundreds and hundreds of people and stories that you could relate to us that perhaps encapsulates why this has both been sustained over these 200 years and why it should have been sustained, is there any one that strikes you in particular?
1: Yes, it happened a week after I'd uh, arrived here. I, I received a letter from somebody from Asia and I opened it there was 100 dollars in this envelope and a letter and it said in it that uh, this person's family life had fallen apart 30 years earlier and they went to the Wesley Mission, and they gave them food. And actually, their family was able to survive what was a disaster. And uh, and now he's he was a multimillionaire businessman in Asia. He said, I'm not going to send my name. He said, but I want you to take this $100. Maybe because he thought I might ask for 100000 <laughs> I don't know. But he, he said, take the $100 and feed feed a couple of other families because you never know what you do. And I thought, fancy somebody remembering that. And I think that, for me, says that what you do, you do not always know. And there are many, many people out there who kind of tell stories that make me feel at least what we're doing is on the right track.
0: Sure, that's true. For 200 years now. Keith Gardner, thank you so much indeed for joining us on Open House. My pleasure.